Well, good morning, church. How we doing? We doing all right? All right. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm Peter Anderson. I'm a senior pastor here at First Baptist Hanford. We're so glad you're here with us. You joined us uh, in the middle of a series called Under the Sun, and we'll get there in a second. But, hey, happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody, as well, huh? Okay, those are the two Irish people we have in the room. It's great. Solid. <laughs> but there's a lot of green represented. So r- raise your hand if you're Irish by wearing green today. Okay, good. A couple of you in the room. That's what I am. Um, pretty sure there's zero Irish blood running through uh, through my veins. And actually, we're, we're going to talk about St. Patrick here in a little bit, but he's actually a real guy. I mean, he's more than like a Lucky Charms character uh, for those of you who don't, who don't know that. So we're going we're gonna to get to that in a second. But, but one of the things I do want to highlight is he lived... He lived in the 5th century uh, and is oftentimes referred to as the Apostle of Ireland. See, what, what St. Patrick did was, uh, was help the Irish come to faith in Christ and turn away from this idea of Celtic polytheism. And so you can look that up later um, because I'm not going to explain it right now because it doesn't pertain to any of you. So, um, But he was kind of a big deal. okay? And, uh, and some of his life ultimately bleeds into what we're talking about as we do walk through the book of Ecclesiastes uh, in our series title. Under the sun. Um, and so uh, last week, and I just want to own it, last week um, I went back and I listened to my message from last week. And I had a couple people come and talk to me. And for 90% of it, a solid 90, maybe 95, maybe 99, I don't know. But it just felt so heavy, right? Like, it, it, we are hopeless. Man has no chance on this side of eternity. I mean, I, I beat everybody down systematically through the book of Ecclesiastes, or through the second chapter of Ecclesiastes over and over and over again. And so that, for that, I apologize um, for the way that, that, that I communicated it. But in reality... Man, I feel like I did, I did Ecclesiastes justice because that's exactly what the book of Ecclesiastes does is to just beat you down over and over and over again. And so the good news is, is we're, we're through uh, chapter two and today we're actually going to start into chapter three in the book of Ecclesiastes. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn over to, to Ecclesiastes chapter three, stick your thumb there for a second and we're going to get there um, in just a sec. But this is good timing for chapter three because it gives us a small break from kind of the, the futility of man and, and all of our toiling and all of this hopelessness. There's actually reassur- reassurance and security in chapter three. And, and being secure is an important piece of the puzzle for us as humans. As a matter of fact, I would, I would say that we can't feel settled until we know that we are safe. Right? I think that's a, a really big part. Until we know that the things are happening to us and around us are normal things. I remember my wife and I, and our, our it was three kids at the time. Um, six years ago, we moved down to the high desert. And I didn't even know the high desert existed. Some of you are like, where is the high desert? It's in California. It's halfway between Los Angeles and Las Vegas. And it's about 300,000 people who live in this area, right? And the only reason I think that people stopped and started living in that area is because there's a really convenient in and out from LA to Las Vegas. You get off, you go to in and out and you go. And people were like, we can't make it back to LA. We were in Vegas all weekend. So I'm just going to stop where this in and out is. Anyway, so we were there and we, I mean, we knew it was the desert and we knew it was going to be hot and that sort of thing. Um, and so 
we loaded up, we went, and it was middle of the summer, and we had never experienced the windiness of the high desert. We had no clue about it, really. And so we show up, and you know, it's 108 degrees, but it's a dry heat, is what they say, right? Um, it's 100, it's a dry heat, so it shouldn't affect you as bad as 108 degrees. I don't care if it's dry or wet, it's really hot. Um, and so we went there, and all of a sudden, we're playing in our backyard with our kids, and all of a sudden, I just remember this wind just sweeping through, like a wall of wind plastering us, right? Just completely and totally swept through. And I was nervous. I'm anxious. I'm like, what is this nonsense? Are we in the middle of a tornado right now? Like, what is this that we are encountering? And so the next day I'm at work and I'm like, guys, did you, I mean, it got so windy yesterday. And they're like, what? It's like, yeah, you guys, you guys didn't know. Like it got, it was so at our house. I don't know if you guys were at our house. It was so windy. And they're like, you mean 4.30? Like that happens every single day here, Peter. And so after that happened, I'm like, okay, this is a normal thing. We need to take down our wind chimes because those will be really annoying on a consistent basis. So we took down our wind chimes, put them, but we felt more secure. I felt more secure knowing that this was a normal thing. And I think that there are, there are times when, when we don't all feel secure. There's times we don't feel secure where we don't have a grip on our present circumstances. And because of that, it freaks us out a little bit. When I got married, uh, I remember this feeling of responsibility. I don't feel it anymore. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, when I got married, I remember feeling this, this massive responsibility and weight on my shoulders because all of a sudden I'm not just, you know, a 22-year-old kid in college and all I have to worry about is doing my best to get up for a class at 11 a.m., right? Like all of a sudden I have more things that I need to worry about. I never worried about what side of the bed I was supposed to sleep on. Right. And then I got married and I was like, time out. Like I'm responsible for myself as well as my bride. And so because of that, I'm going to sleep on the side of the bed guys, right. Closest to the door. Right. And so that way, if anybody comes through that door, who's not supposed to come through that door, I can ninja kick him in the face real fast and protect my bride. Right. And so there's there, there, I hope that my wife felt a sense of security of being settled, knowing that I was going to do my best ninja impression and I'm not going to do it on stage, but we're all, we're all seeking security though, in some way, shape or form. And maybe it's a security that, that you aren't going to move for another few years. I know we have a lot of people who are out at the base and, and there's a form of security there just knowing that we're going to be settled and we can put down some roots here for at least a little bit of time. Maybe that's some of the security that you're looking for. Maybe it's work where you just want to know that your boss thinks that you can hack it and you're not going to get laid off. Maybe it's as simple as that type of security. Maybe it's security of, of being able to pay the bills even if you don't get paid next month, right? I know when we had the whole government shut down back in January, man, there were people who were anxious and just be like, I don't know what I'm gonna do because we don't have a paycheck coming in. I really hope the government can open back up so I can get paid, right? Maybe it's that type of security or, or the security knowing that your kids are gonna be safe at school after you drop them off for the day. And unfortunately, it's a question we haven't had to ask in a really long time. But it's a question that we as parents ask on a consistent basis. So whatever it is, we are all seeking security so we can feel at peace with the rest of the day, with the duration of our lives.
And Ecclesiastes 3 really gives us an opportunity to look at how there is a season for everything. So, uh, as we read through the first eight verses, and we're going to get there in a second, when we read through the first eight verses, I just want you to decide in your mind and write down what season it is that you are in right now. We're going to read through a whole lot of different seasons of life that, that Solomon, the author of Ecclesiastes, is going to share with us. But I want you just to think as we read through them, what season is it that you are in right now? So beginning in in verse one, chapter three, it says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. So I just want you to think for a second, now that we've walked through them, I want you to think in your head, what season is it that I find myself in right now? Because chances are you can find the season in this list. Because these first eight verses from, from this chapter are words for every person in every place, in every circumstance. God has appointed the times, God has appointed the seasons, the events of our lives, the happy, the sad, the easy, and the difficult. On one hand, this can bring worry. We can be nervous about this, but on the other hand, it should bring you hope because we know that God is in control regardless of the season in which we find ourselves. And not only is God in control, God appoints everything. God appoints everything. Everything God exalts and he humbles the same person. We talked about that last week. How Ecclesiastes really is in stark contrast to, to Proverbs out at, at times. We look at Proverbs and it just tells you, hey, the, the wise man does this. The foolish man does this. Well, Ecclesiastes is like, hey, it doesn't really matter what it is that you do. Life is futile and you need Jesus. It doesn't say you need Jesus as an Old Testament book. But still, that's the heart of the book. Life is futile. Even the day we die has been set. We consistently are marching towards that date, but God is in control. And sometimes, you know, you may wonder about that. I mean, it's easy to doubt that, that God has it all together when you look at the world, right? We look at the state of our world right now and we're like, are you sure God is in control of all this? Because last I checked, our world is pretty jacked up. Are you sure that God has it, has it under control? I mean, it doesn't seem to be going all that well at all. There was a terrorist, terrorist attack at a mosque less than 48 hours ago. Terrorist attack. Third trimester abortion is being legalized across the nation. Racial tension continues to rise. And Sarah and I don't even watch the news anymore because of the state of our world, because it's so sad and depressing to watch. The state of our world is in dire straits, and it can be incredibly discouraging, but ultimately we need to recognize that God does indeed have it under control. 
God does have it. He has a purpose in what he does, even if we have a hard time understanding what that purpose is. Romans 8, 28 tells us that. He says, and we know that God causes all good, all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. I love this verse for, for a few reasons, right? But the main reason I like it is because notice it doesn't say that all good things are good. That would fly in the face of what we know to be true regarding scripture, okay? That on this side of eternity, actually, man is inherently evil. And so it doesn't say that all things are good. It says God causes all things to work together for good, regardless of what those things are, regardless of if those things are good, God causes them all to work together for good. Meaning that regardless of the season in which you find yourself, Grasping for peace and security. God is going to use this season. God is going to use the things in your life for good. One of my mentors once told me that, that God allows everything into our life purposes. To bring us into a relationship with himself. Or if we already know him. To make us more like his son. Those are the two things. God is going to use these things either, either for his glory or for his glory. Those are the two things. God is going to use all these things for good. But man, sometimes we just find ourselves in a state of, of discouragement and the things that are surrounding us. I mean, all of you can think back to times in your life. Maybe it's now where you are discouraged and things just seem to keep happening to you and it's piling on, it's piling on. You find yourself asking, why me? Like, why is this consistently happening or whatever? Like, things are hard right now. Why this season? And I'd venture to say, going back to St. Patrick, that he probably thought about this himself quite a bit. Let me, let me tell you a little bit more about St. Patrick for a second. Because Patrick... Where his story picks up is he had been kidnapped from his home in England by Irishmen who would force him into slavery. So most of you guys didn't know, St. Patrick's not even Irish. Homeboy's British. Okay? And so he, he's at his house, a nice house, a stately house. Okay? He would have been, been uh, kind of on the upper cusp of socialites. And one day, a bunch of Irishmen break into his house. They kidnap him and they force him into slavery. Now, St. Patrick could probably go one of two ways with this, would be my guess, right? Why me? I'm going to toil and be frustrated. And, and, and God, how could you allow something so terrible? Say, you know what? God uses all things for good, for his glory. And so because of that, the situation in which I find myself, I'm going to do my best to honor God in that situation. And that's exactly what it is he decided to do. He, uh, he found peace in the midst of his prayers and recitation that he would offer at the beginning and the end of every single day. Uh, this was until he dreamt two different times that God wanted, to, wanted him to escape slavery that, he had, that had been his life for the previous six years. So St. Patrick had been a slave for six years. And then as he's doing his recitation, he found peace with it. And then two, two separate times, he had dreams of God saying, you need to escape from slavery. And even though he didn't know it at the time, he wrote this about himself. He wrote, God used the time to shape and mold me into something better. He made me into what I am now. 
Someone very different from what I once was. Someone who can care about others and work to help them. Before I was a slave, I didn't care about myself. You want to talk about a guy who recognized that regardless of the season, he is there to glorify God? Man, God was using six years in slavery to mold Patrick, to shape him, to turn him into somebody that God was going to use to glorify him on a consistent... This is the most well-known saint, right? The only other saint that most of us know in this room is... And he brings us presents. This is the most well-known saint that we have. So you're saying that God in these circumstances is going to use him in a mighty way? Yes, absolutely. That's exactly what we're saying. This is a very statement by Patrick. It would end up shaping the majority of the way he treated the rest of his life. Even once he was back in England with his parents, even when he returned to Ireland of God, he, he, he interacted with kings of Ireland He would work tirelessly to help them, even though that's the very country that he was kidnapped to. Constantly on his mind was the thought that he was preaching to the very end of the earth. Where he was in Ireland made him feel that this was the very end of the world. Even as he writes, he wrote this, I am one of those God has called and chosen to preach, even in the most difficult of times, to the very ends of the earth. He knew God had him for a reason. He didn't know all the things that God was going to do through him. He just consistently showed up and said, God, regardless of the season, I'm going to say yes. Regardless where I'm at, I am going to say yes. God was going to use for good what the way for evil. And beyond just God's sovereignty, though, we need to be okay as we do indeed live in a world of change. We live in a world of change. The evidence of change is all around us, right? Even right now, as my allergies are flaring up, I have like 15 people say, man, you look tired. I'm tired of my eyelids feeling like sandpaper every time I close my eyes. You're exactly right. But, but, but evidence of change is all around us. Spring becomes summer, winter, winter, spring. There's evidence all around us. The young become older. The new becomes old hat. My computer runs slower. My body gets weaker. And because of that, my body also runs slower, right? There is evidence of change all around us. Times change. But we need to recognize that change is good. Change is healthy. Change helps you learn to adapt to new situations. Grow with those situations. It helps us become what we would call in the Christian world, sanctified holier change is good actually christians actually go so through some of the greatest changes as a matter of fact first we're we're blind we're dead in our transgressions because of the sins that we have in our life right we're dead we're separated from christ that's way we're born into the world then we're made alive in christ as we we place our faith in him here we call it the abcs admit believe choose we do that at the end of every single service and so we place our faith in him Then we discover more of our sinfulness as we've placed our faith in him. Um, I remember there was a time when, uh, when I was in Mexico, I was on a mission trip in Mexico and we were, uh, we were building a home there for them. We took the whole week, we built a home and, um, we, uh, we had to pour a foundation, right? We had to, they actually trusted like high school students pouring foundation, crazy, um, But so day one, we put the forms in place and then we had to clear any debris that was in the forms, right? And so we're walking through and we're pulling out rocks and we're pulling out rocks and we're pulling out rocks and you get all the rocks, there's all these rocks. 
And then you go back and you're like, wait, what are all, there's still so many rocks because as the big rocks got removed, all of a sudden there are these medium sized rocks that we hadn't seen prior. We started yanking out the medium sized rocks, right? And then we go back through and we're like, man, there's still so many rocks in here, but they're smaller rocks, but I'm aware of them. And so I'm grabbing these smaller rocks and we're tossing them out and we're tossing them out until it is acceptable for us to be able to pour this foundation. I would venture to say it's the same thing in our lives. As we are continuing to move forward, as things are continuing to change, as we are continuing to become more holy and more like God, the first pass through, man, it is real obvious some of the rocks that we got to get out of our lives. Real obvious. And we're like, you know what? I got that one. I think I got a handle on that one. That one. And you're like, what? All this? All right, God, you know, I'm going to go back through and get those medium-sized rocks. You start working on those. And then you get the small-sized rocks, and eventually you get to glory You get to the other side of eternity. You get to be with God forever. And man, it is a perfect foundation. And that's ultimately what change helps us accomplish in our lives. Change helps us accomplish sanctification. It helps us through the process of sanctification. I'm so thankful uh, for change. I'm so thankful I'm actually not working the same job that I started with. All of you think for a sec, the first job, you said, you know, as a matter of fact, turn to the person next to you and tell that person your very first paying job. Go ahead. Turn to that person right now. Okay, so... I can't give you too much leash because you guys will just talk the rest of the time. Any, uh, anybody, raise your hand if your first paying job was a lifeguard. Any lifeguards in the room? Okay, yeah, smattering of hands, good. My first paying job was a lifeguard. Most boring job on the face of the earth. I thought it was gonna be phenomenal. Okay? I, was, I was a water polo player, and so because I was like, oh, this is a great fit. I already know how to swim. I'm gonna be at the pool anyway. Yeah, sure, I'll be a lifeguard, no big deal, right? And so the problem was, though, is that where I applied for a job was actually at a, a private pool, and so it was kind of like a poor man's country club, really. Um, but the thing about it is, no kids would show up to the pool ever. It was like this place for people 40 and older to go and just lay on, on lounge chairs. And so I would consistently sit in my lifeguard chair and stare at an empty pool for like four hours straight. It was the worst. I was bored to tears by it. I mean, I got paid and I got a sweet tan over the summer. But outside of that, man, it was a terrible job. I am so thankful for change. I'm so thankful for moving my life because I get the opportunity to preach the word of God, to help lead this church. Man, I am in a much better place now than I was 20 years ago when I had my first job, right? Aren't you? Think about your own life 10 years ago, five years ago, a year ago, whatever it is. You are thankful for some of the changes that have gone down in your life, right? Man, I never want to experience my teenage years again. That was the worst. I never want to go back to that time. And God reminds us that that he has made everything beautiful in his own time. So as things change, things are made beautiful in their own time. Even as we walk through difficult seasons, as we get past those difficult seasons, we can look back and, and recognize God's hand all over it. That God has created, there is a beauty in all of these things. I'm so thankful for that. He tells us that in Ecclesiastes 3, 9 to 13. It says, what do workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He's made everything beautiful. He 
eternity and no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. So we need to know that change is inevitable, right? Change is going to happen. It's going to, it's actually the only thing that doesn't change is that things change, right? Change is going to happen. So how is it then in a world that things are consistently changing and we are having to consistently adapt to things that we can find peace and security? Well, one of the ways and actually the only way we need to acknowledge is that God is unchangeable, In a world where everything else changes, God is unchangeable. Man, imagine for a second what it would be like if God just like started changing. Man, talk about like uncertainty, insecurity. What if one day we like God was like super nice and the next day like he had completely and totally changed. It's like, you know what? I'm going to have a temper today. I'm going to have a temper all day. Or what, what if he switched back and forth between merciful and judgment? Like today, to be Old Testament law. You know what? Now we're going to go New Testament, grace upon grace upon grace. And we're just going to switch back and forth depending on how I feel each day. Right? That would be miserable. And so we recognize that God is indeed unchangeable. Malachi 3.6, it says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. That means we can count on him to always be there and do the right thing. He won't change his mind about you. God has set everything for its time, so enjoy yourself. Verse 11 tells us that. God has set everything for its time, so enjoy yourself. You should make the best of each and every event as we recognize that God doesn't change. And he has actually blessed us with the ability of enjoyment, of feelings, right? Of happiness. And so, man, it tells us that, you know what? God wants us to be happy. He wants us to work and he wants us to be happy. So while you are on this earth, it isn't, are our souls futile? Are we, are we damned from the time that we are born? Yes, absolutely. We are. But there's hope in Christ and once we find that, life should be enjoyable. Life should be good. And God allows us to know that in those verses. You should make the best of each event and each season of change. You should enjoy your life. Man, it's okay to have fun as a Christian. You guys know that? Like we're all on board with it's okay to have fun as a Christian. Because I think the world really believes that if you're a Christian, you're not allowed to have fun anymore. Okay? It is okay to have fun as a Christian. If you don't believe me, come to one of our softball games. Okay? We had, <laughs> no one cares. Okay? Uh, we had our first softball game last week. And man, we, I mean, we won, which made the whole game a lot more fun. But it was just a blast to be together, to have fun with one another, to watch Kyle do terrible in the outfield together. It was so good. It was so good, but it's okay to have fun as a Christian. Enjoy your kids. If you have them, enjoy your car, enjoy your home, enjoy your health. Enjoy the fact that we have a good church here that has done well. And we continue to pursue and worship God. Enjoy going fishing guys. Enjoy going shopping ladies. I'm sorry if I put you into a category that you don't feel comfortable with. Enjoy washing dishes. 
Enjoy coming to church. God has made everything beautiful in its time. And while, and while doing dishes is not beautiful in its time, the next morning when you wake up with an empty seat, oh, so beautiful, right? So I'm glad I got an applause for that. But beyond that, even the painful things are set in place by God. Everything has its purpose. Even the two-year-old temper tantrum and the baby who won't sleep at night. Everything has its purpose. We need to wait with patience for the full revelation of God and his, his mysterious providence that oftentimes we do not understand. We see is the work oftentimes and not the end. We can just see the middle. He knows the beginning from the end and he has you where he wants you. But also, man, set aside place in your heart where you trust God to provide all of your needs because he loves you so much. But God's nature doesn't change. Who God, in essence, is never, ever changes. The word of God says he is from all eternity, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. He's described as the eternal king in scripture, the immortal God, the one who alone is immortal. Psalm 90 says, before the mountains were, were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Before creation, matter and existence changed from what he is at this moment in time. The psalmist in, one, in, in chapter 102, verse 26 says of creation, says of us, they will perish. But God, you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will, you will change them and they will be discarded. Isaiah goes on. He says, he is the first and he is the last. That's repeated at the end of time in the apocalypse, the first and the last, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the ending, the unchangeable, eternal, immutable God. God is unchanging. Which leads us to our last point, which is our trust should be in our unchanging God, not in our changing circumstances. Our trust should be in our unchanging God, not our changing circumstances. And trust doesn't come easily to us. It doesn't come easily to us. We want assurance over and over and over again before we actually put our trust into something. I can prove it to you. I have, I have a lot of sons, I think five. And when they're younger and we go swimming at grandma and grandpa's house, I set them on the edge of the pool and they're real greasy because we've reapplied sunscreen like 50 times to them in the 10 minutes that they've been in the pool, right? And they get their little toes on the edge of the pool. And I'm in the pool waiting for them with my hands outstretched saying, hey, come on, man, jump. And they do like the little, the little fidget dance, right, where they get closer. And then all of a sudden you just can take a step back and they say, but dad, but dad, are you going to move? I'm like, no, nah, man, I'm not going to move. I'm like, why don't you trust me? You don't ask mom that question. But so <laughs> their toes are on the edge, right? And it's a constant reassurance to them over and over and over again. Buddy, I'm not going to move. I got you. I got you. I got you. Until eventually their mom comes over and they know until eventually and I get to catch my son and, and I throw him up in the air and they freak out again. Right. And I catch him. I'm like, it's so good. And then you put him back up there. And then the whole thing starts again because we have a hard time trusting. 
We as humans have a hard time trusting. We want assurance in things before we recognize that this is normal, that this is safe. Over and over and over again. We need to learn to trust a God that endures forever, that everything he does will endure forever. Ecclesiastes 3, 14 and 15, it says, I know that everything God does will endure forever. The attitude of thinking can be taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Whatever is has already been, and what will be has been before. And God will call the past to account at the heart of the Christian life, guys. At the heart of a Christian life is a sovereign God. It's a God who knows everything that is going on. It's a God that is in complete control. Because, because of our sense of a sovereign God, though, who is good, who is holy, who is just, who is perfect, who is unchanging. And what's amazing is how the Bible helps us on all of these points we've discussed today. Man, Ecclesiastes 3 1, it says, For everything there is a season and a time for matter under heaven. I mean, it just continues through that as things change, it's fine because God doesn't change. There is a season for all of these things. They're going to happen again. They've happened before. They're going to happen again. But guess what? God is still God. God is still God. God is sovereign over all of our lives and over every season of them. And since nothing is beyond the gaze of God, God is not surprised by what happens in our lives. God wasn't surprised that my wife and I moved to Hanford. He knew it was going to happen. He knew that, that we had been praying for, a whole, for, for many years about where he wanted us to go next in life, go next in ministry. That wasn't because we weren't happy where we were. We loved our church. We love HDC still. There. We just got one of us. And man, he just pressed the Central Valley so hard into our hearts. We said, all right, God, we got to go. We got to say yes. We got to say yes. We still don't know um, why six years ago, God sent us away from all of our loved ones initially. I think we have some, some understanding of the training and that sort of thing that we got when I was at HCC. But that was the hardest thing that we've had to endure, Sarah and I, as a couple. Is saying, you know what, we're leaving all of our family behind to go into a community where we had zero connections. We said, okay, God, we're going to say yes. We're just going to say yes to you. No matter what it is that you're going through today, God knows, he sees, and he loves you in that. He loves you through his son. Your life may seem to just be falling apart right now as we speak. This may be your last ditch effort to try to find some sort of hope in a world that has just delivered hopelessness over and over and over again. All your work may seem to be unraveling right in front of you. Your relationships might seem strained and life is very difficult. But in the middle of all of it is our sovereign, our all-powerful God who's got the whole world in his hands. Who sees, who knows, and who loves you. The seasons of your life are not beyond the gaze of God. Instead, our sovereign God rightly orders the seasons of our lives so that we will grow in him in the midst of them. I don't know about you, but rather discouraged far from me, uh, that encourages me. It encourages me knowing that regardless of the changing seasons, regardless of the season in which I find myself, whether it be difficult 
or incredibly easy or challenging or fun or happy or sad or in the midst of death or in the midst of life. And whatever it is, I can cling to the fact that in a, in a world that is consistently changing, my God doesn't. It encourages me to know that this God that you and I believe in will do as Hebrews 13, 5 says, and never leave us nor forsake us. God will forever be before us. He will go before us. And the hard thing about this is that it doesn't change your current circumstances. This is where faith has to come in. This is where you have to recognize that regardless of the season in which I find myself, I believe from the depths of my heart, the pit of my stomach, that my God is unchanging and he is faithful to me. And sometimes we just have to leave it at that and understand that there is nothing more that we can do than simply believe that a sovereign God who holds the whole world in his hands is for us and not against us. Amen, church? Let's pray. Father, we're, uh, man, we're thankful for your son. We're, uh, we're thankful for his life. And God, we're thankful for a text that just allows us to recognize that uh, there is a season for everything. And regardless of the fact that seasons change over and over, God, that you don't, that you're sovereign, that you're immutable. God, that you, a long time after all of us are gone, will remain. And God, so I pray for those people who are in seasons of their life right now that just seem uncontrollable, untamable, that they don't recognize what it is that you're trying to do, God. But man, God, I pray that you would allow them to, to just get a glimpse, a small understanding of why it is that they're in a space that they are. And God, if that's not the case, Lord, increase their faith, increase our faith to recognize that you are indeed for us. You as our sovereign God are for us, not against us. And Lord, there's people uh, who don't yet know you, who don't yet know you as our sovereign God. And so with heads still bowed and eyes still closed, if, if there are people here who don't yet know you and want to put your faith in him, I would just... Say, pray a short prayer with me that A, say, Father, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a savior, that I mess up on a consistent basis. We all do. But God, I know that I am a person. And that B, I believe that you sent your son on, on my behalf, on our behalf to go to the cross, to send him who knew no sin to be our sin, to be killed, to die, and ultimately conquer death so that we could be with you in eternity forever and then see that I would choose to follow him every single day of my life. Choose to follow him regardless of the season in which I find myself, regardless of the season in which I find my family, God, that I would just choose to follow him every single day. Father, we are so thankful for you. We're thankful for your son. We're thankful for what you're doing in Hanford and through our church. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Hey, real quick, if you're new with us, make sure that you uh, fill out that connect card. You can drop them with the ushers. Other than that, we'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye.